Hey guys, it's Dawn. If you would like to hear the How My Parents Raised Me podcast ad-free, and if you would like access to subscriber-only episodes, join me in the What's the Truth community. You can join via the Apple Podcast app. There's a link right there in the app. Or go to whatsthetruth.supercast.com. Links are in the show notes. Don't miss out on all the extra content I'm sharing. I can't wait to see you over there. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. It's Dawn Chitty from the How My Parents Raised Me podcast. Is your soul screaming at you? Sometimes life moves so far from the life we were born for. There's so much expectation from friends and family about who we need to be to be acceptable, to be loved. There is so much judgment. There is so much fear. Do you find yourself in the routine of living an okay life, fitting in and doing all the right things and yet never really feeling it, never feeling into the awesome life you were born for? If you answered yes, I want to invite you to my brand new free group where I'll be jumping on live a couple of times a week to chat about all the things you need to know about living in your power, living in your truth. The link for the group is in the show notes, so please come and join me. You didn't come here to live your most average life. You came here to live your most magical life. So messianic doomsday means that they believe in a messiah that brings messages of doomsday, essentially the end of the world. And so they spend their time and money preparing for the end of the world, you know, safe homes, stockpiling food, clothes. And they were made up of a lot of like important people, you know, people who were successful, had good jobs. You know, his, his parents, his dad was a corporate lawyer. His mom was a uh, college professor. There were authors and screenplays, you know, in the, in the family. Thank you. 
Welcome to How My Parents Raised Me, I'm Dawn Chitty. When we are born, we arrive here as pure and perfect souls and the direction our life takes from that moment is deeply connected to what our parents bring to our lives. And what our parents bring to our lives is deeply connected to what their parents brought to their lives. And that's the cycle of families. I have always craved connection with real and raw stories to understand what makes you, you. What makes you the absolutely unique human that you are. Stories are medicine for the soul. They can connect us and they can change the world. And so in this podcast, I'm listening to beautiful souls sharing their story. What happened to them, how they got through and how they have healed and thrived despite everything to arrive right here in this moment. Content warning, if you are triggered by the themes of this podcast, please seek a helpline in your city. Hey, beautiful souls, welcome back to the podcast. Oh my gosh, we heard part one of Erin's story last week as she went from growing up with a cruel, narcissistic mother to getting drawn into a messianic cult. Erin was desperate for the love she'd never received from her own mother. And at first the cult seemed to offer her what she needed, that love. But as Erin says, it was like a slow reveal as the cult members took more and more control of her life. Erin is an incredibly strong woman. She has been through hell and she continues to fight every single day to put the past behind her and be the mum to her kids that she never had and knows they deserve. So please join me now for part two of Erin's story. I, I wanted to believe that I belonged, you know, that, that somebody could love me or that I was worthy of being loved. And, and even though, like my, like my mother made it so confusing for me, because what was worthy of love one day wasn't the next. So, you know, I was always constantly questioning, like, how do I get that? But with them, it was like, yeah, there's this way, you know, you just kind of do this. Like, and it was like this way that had health benefits. Like there was, there, there were positive things to it. And I was like, so you're telling me that like, if I just do these things that I'm going to be loved and accepted. I'm like, that's easy. I could do that. So there was this real appeal to me. And, but I didn't really realize that it was a cult like it was unpackaged very slowly to me I know that the first conversation we had about it was when I was actually pregnant and they wanted to bring me to Colorado to the compound where essentially the cult leader lived with all of the priests and so you know it was just unpackaged to me very slowly and elegantly you know, like, we're going to bring you here to do this and meet this person, but you're going to have this really cool experience. You're going to go to mountains of Colorado and live, stay in this mansion for the weekend, you know, so. Wow. That's so, that's just so manipulative, isn't it? And so at what point did alarm bells start ringing for you? I, you know, when I met him at college, he was, he was, you know, his public self. He was somebody that I, that I could like, you know, 
But then when he was with his family and under their influence, completely different person, like he would just completely submit himself to his father's will. And so it was like having a relationship with his father. What his father said went, like I didn't have any power in the relationship on top of the fact that his father was also called elder and the political structure required me to go directly to him if I had any problem in the relationship. And so it was set up so that I really didn't have power. So, you know, when, <laughs> so I got pregnant and they started to slowly, like they, they had convinced me to have my child and I was going to use their midwife for that. So I started seeing her in New York because that's where I was living at the time. And then I moved back to Maine to be with my family. And she came to Maine because essentially she was going to come back, come to Maine anyway, because when everybody got the call, that was where the safe homes were. That's where they were going to come. So she followed me as my midwife. I ended up having my baby at my home, but <laughs> I was having medical problems throughout my pregnancy and, you know, didn't get the treatment that I needed. I was being treated with herbs and with garlic and the birth went really, really bad, um, <laughs> like really bad. And my son ended up born damaged he asphyxiated and was diagnosed later on with cerebral palsy and he had a very difficult life. Yeah. Um, and so that, that was, that was one of, that was, that was a pretty big, pretty big moment for me when I, when I was in that moment and the midwife, the only thing that she could say to me was, this is your fault. Like if you, when we knew how to breathe, like this would never have happened. And this is the same woman who had told me that Le Mans was a joke, <laughs> that there was a waste of my time. So it was confusing. And then on top of that, the cult was kind of like, oh, you know, there's something wrong with you that, you know, this happened. Like God's telling you something like you're being cleansed through fire, girl. Like, ooh, and it just kind of made it really easy for them to all kind of step back. But, you know, she wasn't licensed to practice and she wasn't experienced and the child that she had birthed right after mine ended up going to the hospital in an emergency situation also. And so, you know, for them to put all the blame on me and to just back off and make me essentially a single mom was just really, just really wasn't even something that I noticed or was even able to focus on because honestly, my son took all of my attention. He took all of my focus away for the whole time that he was alive, like for a whole decade. And, um, you know, he took my attention away from what was happening in my own family and from, you know, essentially like the whole all the cult bullshit, because it was easy for me to say, no, you know, I, 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 I can't do this. Like, this, he's my focus. Like, so I, I don't really know. I mean, how else to explain it? But, you know, they shaved my head was shaved. He shaved my head when I told him that I wanted to leave him. So, yeah, I don't know. I think there were some some things. I think that Jacob is just so triggering to me. I got sidetracked. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my gosh. My gosh. My gosh. So what actually happened then that you were out on your own? Is that what happened as a no, result we were of that? Well, we were still together up until Jacob's fifth birthday. It took me that long to basically like get him to leave because he was, he was a terrible person. Like he just did not step up and help me at all. Like he slept in, like he, I, I was having sleep deprivation by the time Jacob was 18 months old and I was having hallucinations like scary hallucinations like, like things that I couldn't admit because people were going to say you know you're too weak you can't handle this and I my biggest fear was somebody was going to take my son from me and so when he just let this happen 
like and just sat back and was so passive he didn't clean up after himself it was just like having another person to take care of on top of everything and I just couldn't do it I just it was my breaking point I'm like you I get I need to get out of this relationship so um, scraped every single penny, every penny that I could scrape of his, of mine. And I said, listen, you know, we're building this house. And I got his, I had some money saved and I convinced his parents to start building this house. And as soon as the frame, and my brother was doing carpentry at the time, so we got a really good deal. As soon as the frame of the house went up, I was like, you, you're going to go stay there and you're going to put an apartment in the basement so we can move in and we'll build the house as we live there. And it was my way of manipulating him. As soon as he moved out, that was it. He wasn't, he was not allowed to come back. Um, two times he did come back into the home. I was not there. And he essentially robbed me of everything. I had a computer because I decided I was going back to college. He took it. I uh, took my sewing machine. Like he took everything. He just took everything. He took the kids stuff, but didn't want the kids. So. So you say kids, was there another child? Yeah, so I had been trying to leave him. <laughs> this was another thing. And I had reached out and I, I knew I couldn't reach out to his father, talk to his father about this. And he was the one I was supposed to talk to. So I reached out to a different elder and I said, hey, listen, I said, this is not going okay for me. Like he needs to have some real counseling because I'm not getting any effective counseling out of his father who was taking his side on everything like this man needs to step up he needs to do something he needs a job he needs to clean up after himself he needs to you know pitch in take his son to a doctor's appointment he's got to do something you know and I said I want to leave him I'm I am done I'm leaving him and he would try I this is what I think happened and I don't have any proof but I think there was a conversation about this I think he went to Bill Bill is the father. And I think that they said, no, you need to do what you need to do to keep her around. And it was my fault. I let my guard down. I hadn't had sex with him in two years. It was like two years I hadn't had sex with him. And he had had an affair with my cousin. And we went out, we had a good time. You know, I had a little bit to drink and I wasn't the drinker. I had sex with them and we got pregnant and he, he knew better. You know, I really think he did that to me on purpose. So that's how the second one came about. And I was, I was pretty pissed off because I couldn't, I love my son. Don't get me wrong. He is absolutely the prize of my life. Like we have a great relationship. I adore him. I wouldn't take it back for one second, but it was just one of those things where you're just like, I have too much on my plate. Like, what am I going to do? I, I can't handle this. Yeah. It's just like you're beyond breaking point, right? And then all the pressure to be perfect, you know, all the pressure to be a perfect wife you know, and then all the ridicule around like not being perfect and breaking up those relationships that I had formed with other, you know, youth and cult and just doing some really underhanded things to just always keep me isolated. Yeah. And so how were you able to get out of that cult? Well, I mean, I essentially manipulated him to move out and then I didn't let him come back in. And I, I guess I, I mean, I did something kind of dirty myself I I grabbed the first loser that I showed interest in me and I said I'm in a new relationship now and that went terribly for me but I got out so I don't know how I feel I have mixed feelings about it <laughs> yeah well you did what well you did what you needed to do right I mean you get to a point where you actually have to do something for yourself you must have just been at your wits end and just can't even imagine the headspace that you must have been in at that point you've you've literally had a lifetime of manipulation and control it's it's just 
relentless, isn't it? What you went through. It seems that way. I mean, even now that I've had a lot of time and space from it, it's like I'm still, I still deal with. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. So what... What relationship do you have with those family members these days? Your mom and the siblings? I haven't had a relationship with them. And I was just trying to figure that out the other day because I don't really know how long it's been. But I think I severed that. So I have Evan, he's 10. And I severed that relationship. I mean, it was around two and a half, maybe. Yeah, it's been, it's been a while. Six or seven years. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely for the best. Yeah, I tried to sever my relationship with just my mother, but that didn't go very well because she just pulled all these other people into this big, massive trauma that just really didn't need to be what it was. And I ended up getting sued in court and because they put in a bunch, they pulled a bunch of money. They tried to take my children from me in court, <laughs> but who, it didn't go very well. It who, didn't go very well. Who tried to take them? My um, mother and my stepsister and my ex, the cult and the cult. Oh, wow. Yeah, my ex's father's lawyer. So that was fun. (laughs) Cost me a lot of money. I I had to sell a bunch of stuff. (laughs) Yeah, so that was because, you know, my mother was using, you know, and wasn't healthy and just had some really toxic ways of kind of getting power in the world and she was angry at me so when she's angry at me she does some really rotten things so she decided that she was going to ally with them they were going to take me to court and have my kids taken from me because they thought that the judge was going to side with them if they made up this crazy story about my mental health and my substance use issues that I didn't have so they, they got a guardian ad litem involved and it was a big mess and he the his dad was such a bully to me in court wow it's just never ended has it it's just continued yeah so I I got my college degree and I started working for child protective services and that was the best way that I knew to start to protect my family against my family and it seems like it has changed the posture they don't mess with me too much they don't do any weird i haven't done any weird travel trips to me lately because like my older son i mean he just turned 18 but his father is still in the cult you know i still have to deal with that because he still has a relationship with him and does your son is he with you most of the time yes 
Yeah. yeah, he is with me. Um, like, you know, the court didn't go very well for them. Um, they saw through what they were doing. I think that they saw that it was an abusive situation for me. They saw the heavy handed power on all on one side. Um, the guardian ad litem, who was uh, sometimes their lawyers, but sometimes their clinicians. And in this particular case, this one was a clinician. And so she assessed both families and she saw the dysfunction. And essentially the court sided with me, increased his child support. They decreased his time with the kids, the kid, the living child, because Jacob, Jacob died. Like they waited to do that until Jacob died. Oh my gosh. That's so much, isn't it? Thank God that the court actually saw the truth. You never know what's going to happen in those situations, do you? You must have been terrified. Well, I was, I was devastated and, and mostly it was because of my trust issues, because the issue for me was I had gone to see a therapist and I had talked about my issues. And even in those meetings, even then I was like, I cannot answer certain questions because, you know, I, I went through a period of time in my teenagers where I was self-injuring, you know, I constantly thought about suicide. Like that was real for me. And I knew that I couldn't be honest about that in therapy. So when we went through court and we had the guardian at light, and the first thing that they wanted was my mental health records. And that devastated me because I knew that there's, I can't ever turn to help again. Like, this is just it. Like this just completely violates my trust for me to get any kind of help. As it is, I haven't, you know, I just was tenderly kind of trying to get help, not really being honest about my issues. And good thing because if I had like I don't know what would have happened in that situation so here I am like just pissed still I guess for that violation and for no good reason it's just no good reason for it yeah it's interesting that they're allowed to I would have thought that that all of that stuff should stay private I guess if it's subpoenaed by a court though that's the the only time that they're going to get their hands on that stuff yeah, when, when well, I, I understand it now, when it's a child matter, a child and family matter, it's not uncommon for a guardian ad litem to come in because what their role is, is they're a lawyer for the child and they speak for the best interests of the child. And so when there were allegations of severe mental health and my mother, remember, and my stepsister were also saying, yes, she's unstable. She's got these massive mental health issues. She's a severe alcoholic none of which was true. But of course, when those allegations come in in court, it's the court's due diligence to make sure that it's not true before they make a decision about child safety or child placement for that matter. So I understand all that now. Oh my goodness, you've been through so much. It's, I can just feel the weight of it. It's, it's so much. But you've got four kids of your own really weird yeah so I have three children that are living Jacob's deceased he died when he was nine complicated complications related to grandma seizures and he would be 22 today and so and then there's Elijah he's 18 and there's Evan he's 10 and there's Maddie she's two and a half so yeah so Jacob's death was always a particular thing too because oh you know he was injured at birth because of the in in a midwife (laughs) and then my parents because of their heroin addiction they were stealing medications um from him um he was on seizure medications and so me not knowing where those medications were going these reports eventually for to get them replaced and just um decided that after discovering my parents with my teaching time to change 
It took about a year to do that. And it just, the medication change wasn't good for him. Um, his petite mal seizure disorder went to a grand mal seizure disorder. I mean, he was having very, very, very bad seizures, putting him into comas. And so that's eventually what took his life was a seizure. And, you know, I really kind of, I do blame my parents for that. I think that he didn't need to go through that. I think it was unfortunate. Absolutely. And your other three children, how are you raising them? What is important in the way that you raise your own kids after what you've been through? So basically everything that I do in my life, um, professionally or hobby-wise, like how do I be a better mother? You know, how do I not be my mother? So you know, it started with going back to college, studying, doing the child protective work. And now in my current position, I, I teach parenting classes. I teach active parenting. It's about really being there with the kids in the moment and really having a lot of meaningful experiences with them. And so I try to practice that every single day. And I try to remember that person that I want to be and that I saw myself to be as a child and to just not forget and to just always have that in my mind that my children are the most important thing to my to me in my life and I think my saving grace is my my rebellion my my pure rebellious streak that I have you know I have been hell-bent that I am going to be the total opposite of my mother and yes, I know that that dictates my behavior and that she is still essentially in control of me because of that, which I grapple with sometimes, but I'm okay with it because I know that I won't at least make the mistakes that she made and that at the end of the day, I'm going to have a good relationship with my kids. Mm-hmm. And um, my two, my two and a half year old, my daughter, like she's a, I didn't know we could have her. Like we had kind of given up on kids. And so she was a surprise to us. And every single day that she challenges me, it is a blessing because she is going to break that cycle for me. Like I'm going to have a relationship with her that I didn't have with my mother. And it's going to be a great relationship, you know, and none of those things that played into my relationship with my mom, this relationship. And, you know, I am really determined. And even in our really, really hard moments, because we've had some, I am always just really like, I love you. <laughs> you are beautiful, you know. So I have a lot of techniques and I've really gone out of my way to educate myself. That's so beautiful. I love that. And it's so challenging sometimes, isn't it? But I love your rebellious streak because it's obviously gotten you through so much shit. I mean, it's just unbelievable what you've been through. And there's just this resilience in you that that really is driving you to create a better life for yourself and is that how you see yourself is resilient yeah I mean I'm a real shithead to myself I'm really super honest with myself so I mean I talk to myself in ways I would never talk to another human being it keeps me straight you know and not only that but you know I am fully aware of where I would be if I stopped fighting and it's not a good place it's really not a good place I mean I've been very close there you know, I think that the the risk of my me being in drug use and having severe mental health, I think that's real. I think that's evident when I look at my sister and my other siblings and I'm like, you know, you ain't, you're not doing so good. You know, I don't know what sets me apart from them. I really don't. But I, I don't, I try not to compare myself to yeah. other people. I just try to keep going. Yeah. And 
you are studying psychology, you're helping other people in the child abuse space, and you're writing a book about your time in the cult. You, you obviously want to make the world a better place. I mean, I mean, I think yes. I, I, I think, you know, I started out that way. I think one of my angers is that maybe like I don't know that that's where the place I come from anymore. I think that I was naive and being naive makes you susceptible. It makes you vulnerable. And so now I'm sort of more of like in a space where I'm taking from the world what I need for myself to heal. I telling my story is important because I'm sure I'm not the only one. I think that I've experienced a lot of hidden dangers in the world. And I I, I think anybody who is in a similar situation to me would understand. Yeah. And that phrase, hidden dangers, describes most of your life perfectly, doesn't it? You know, it's just been relentless hidden dangers for you. And here you are still, still going, still breathing, still surviving and still loving, you know, like still wanting to give that little girl the love that you didn't get. And your, your story is, is crazy. I mean, it's just crazy from start to finish. Thank you so much for sharing it with me. I just wish you so much love in the rest of your life. And I hope that you you just have that beautiful relationship with your daughter and, and that you actually now, you make that that happen for yourself and you you put, I don't know if you can ever put that stuff behind you, but you move out of that space and just make it what you need it to be you know like you said take what take what you need to heal and actually heal and and just have an amazing life from here on in and I'm, I just send you so much love I want to thank you too um thank you for having me and and inviting me into a space that feels very welcoming and and very safe and so you know it's not every day that I get the opportunity to talk about these things in that way and so I appreciate you today too <laughs> thank you Thank you for being on this journey of healing and community with me. If you listen on Apple, I would love it if you could take a moment to post a review for the podcast. It would mean a lot. Check the show notes for all links recommended in this episode. If you're on Instagram, follow me at my big love project and please share this episode with someone you know needs to hear it. Thank you for joining me. You are such an incredible soul because you are you. You are unique. Your journey is unique and you can absolutely change the world with your story. Your time is precious and I so appreciate you being here. Thanks for joining me. I'll catch you next week.